Will Derek Carr follow up his best performance as a member of the Saints with another equally impressive outing? But more importantly, will the Saints come up with another win, this time against the Chicago Bears? Let's talk about it right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Houdan Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rosvoglu. And as always, this program is brought to you by Scott McNair, injury lawyers. If you've been injured in any kind of accident, car, truck, 18-wheeler, hurt offshore, Scott McNair handles it all. You give him a call at 504-500-1111 for a free consultation. They'll always fight for the win. Now we got Saints, Bears, this Sunday, Saints are 4-4. Four and four. This could be kind of the game that might tip the scales, either in their favor or against it. And I'll get into why this game means a lot more than a lot of people would think outside of New Orleans, because I'm sure for some, this might be one of the few games where they go, Saints-Bears, I don't know if I need to watch that. But man, this really could be indicative of the type of season the Saints will have for the back half of their schedule. It really comes down to it. I want to start off with Derek Carr, because Derek Carr has had, let's say, a less than ideal start to his Saints tenure so far, right? Prior to last Sunday's game against the Colts, more bad than good. The His number one moment was really an outburst on a Thursday night loss to the Jaguars. And for the Saints to give him a four-year, $160 million contract and him not live up to expectations so far, obviously that's not what the fan base or the front office wanted. But there is some optimism, some glimmer of hope and that's because Derek Carr actually balled out against the Colts. And whether you like Derek Carr or not, you could be the biggest Derek Carr hater in the world. Won't bother me. The reality is he played very, very well against the Colts. Now, when people talked about his stats against the Jaguars, oh, well, he stood up, still had over 300 passing yards, all this. That didn't matter to me because he needed 55 attempts to get there. It's about the efficiency, and he wasn't efficient against the Jaguars. But, man, against the Colts, 27 attempts to get to 310 yards, only eight incompletions on the day. He was very efficient. And it was impressive considering the Saints were down 17 to 7. And they had every reason with the way this season's gone for them to have another outburst, for them to implode. And the Saints didn't. Offensively, they had their best game, in my opinion. And they really put together some things that I think they can carry into the Chicago game. But a lot of it starts and ends with Derek Carr. And that's because of the matchup. The Chicago Bears have the second worst pass defense in the NFL. They seem to be kind of the get right game. For a lot of quarterbacks this year. I think about the Broncos earlier this year. They're not playing well. A lot of talk about Russell Wilson getting benched. And look, those talks will still probably happen until the end of the season. Because Russell Wilson is no longer the guy he once was. But Russell Wilson and that Broncos offense exploded against the Bears when they played them earlier this season. Prior to Sunday night, which I can't believe it was Sunday night football, Bears, Chargers, whoever scheduled that, you are a war criminal. I don't know what the hell you were thinking. but seriously. Before that matchup, a lot of talk about Justin Herbert, who I admittedly have said I'm a big fan of Justin Herbert. A lot of people talked about, "Eh, he's not really playing up to his potential coming off a a lousy start against the Cowboys. He's got to bounce back. And the man just threw touchdown pass after touchdown pass after touchdown pass in that game. Justin Herbert was dealing that Chargers offense, which struggled against the Cowboys, put up 30, no problem against the Bears. So the matchup for Derek Carr, is ideal. The Bears defense could be without one of their safeties in Jaquan Brisker, could be without one of their high-priced free agents in Tremaine Edmonds. He's dealing with a knee injury at the moment. So they might not be at 100%. And even when they are, like I've said, this is the second 
worst pass defense in terms of yardage given up in the National Football League. That bodes well for Derek Carr. And now, don't get me wrong. Bears made a nice splash this week. They acquired Montez Sweat from the Commanders. But you still need to get acclimated to that system. And I don't know if Montez Sweat will just completely wreck the game plan. He's a really good player. A really, really good player. But I don't know if that's going to tip the scales for me to go, you know what, I don't like this matchup for Derek Carr. I think this is a very favorable matchup for Derek Carr. And if he wants to start winning back some fans or win back fans that he never had in the first place, I think he's got to have another big performance here. Does he need to have 300-plus yards, three touchdowns? No, absolutely not. But he needs to, A, take care of the football, B, move the goddamn chains, and C, be efficient just like he was against the Colts. Saints don't need 50 passing attempts. They're probably better off when they get closer to 30 than they get to 40. But Derek Carr, it is a really nice matchup for him. And I'm going to be honest, I will be highly disappointed if he has a bad game. It doesn't mean I'm expecting greatness from him because I don't know if he ever reaches that. But Derek Carr, man, you got to be consistent. And we haven't seen him yet string together two good games as the Saints quarterback. And honestly, you could argue he only had one good game, so that makes sense why he hasn't strung together two, but I think this is the weekend for him. Really good matchup. He's feeling confident. Body language in the building for everyone seems to be really good at the moment. Get it done. And honestly, another reason why you need Derek Carr to be the focal point here is the Bears do a pretty decent job of stopping the run. In terms of yardage, they're in the top half of the league. They want to shut you down in that regard. Now, have teams had good games against them? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And they have struggled against the running back position, but it's more so running backs as pass catchers. Think about Austin Eckler did on Sunday night, 90-plus yards. Think about Aaron Jones week one, 80-plus yards. But against stopping the run, they've been good. So if the Bears put an emphasis on that and say we're taking out the Alvin Kamara runs, the Taysom Hill runs, uh, Jamal Williams up the middle, if they take that out, if they start to neutralize a little bit, more of it falls on Derek Carr's shoulders. Last week, the Saints had a really balanced attack. Might not be the case this week. That's why I think number four has to have a big game for the Saints. And I honestly, I really, really think he can. And I think he will, and at least should. But you know what? We got to play the games and we'll see what happens. Another player who's got to have a big game. And it's not so much having an encore performance. It's about having a bounce back performance. Chris Olave. Man, Chris Olave started off this season hot. I mean, we were talking about him cruising over 1,000 receiving yards. And could he get to uh, 1,300? Could he get to 1,400, 1,500? Whatever it may be, you name your number. That's what we were doing after the first three weeks. Because Chris Olave was balling. The last three weeks, we have been Dr. Phil assessing what the hell is wrong with Chris Olave. If it's just uh, you know a, a mental thing right now with him, is he in a slump? Now, he admitted. He said he was in a slump. And he talked about it this week, and this is what he had to say. He mentioned the time where he dropped the open touchdown pass against the Colts. And this is what he said, and it actually makes me feel pretty good about the situation. He says, you always want plays like that. It was so open, something we've been planning for like three weeks, so we finally called it in the game. And that shit ended up happening. But like I said, I'm in a slump right now. But I'm going to get back to it. I can't wait to play on Sunday. That mentality to me is important. Now, him owning up to the mistake, does that make me go, oh, I'm confident in Olave? No, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He made a mistake. He owned up to it. There's nothing else you should do in that spot other than say, man, I'll get it the next time around. But what I'll say about Olave is there's a couple factors to make me feel good about where we're at. One, I love the aggressive nature of can't wait to be out that next Sunday because when you make a mistake, You really don't want that long waiting period. You want to be able to fix it. And that's with anything in life as soon as possible. Two, the targets. 
there there might be this misconception that Chris Olave is not producing right now because he's not getting looks, but he's pretty much getting the same amount of targets, if not more, than what we saw him get through the first three weeks of the season. First through uh, first three games of the season, 10 targets in week one, 11 targets in week two, 11 targets in week three. Last three games in week eight, last Sunday against the Colts, nine targets. The Thursday night game against the Jaguars, didn't play well, but he had 15 targets. And then the week prior to that, the Texans game, 10 targets. So Olave's still getting his looks. He seems very eager to correct what happened. And I do think for once, in terms of just seeing how he was in the locker room and being a week removed from the whole situation with the outburst against Jacksonville and then the arrest that following Monday, I think he's probably in a better headspace today than he was a week ago. That's another factor. But it also goes to the matchup. Just like Derek Carr is facing one of the worst pass defenses in football, Chris Olave is facing one of the worst pass defenses in football. And I remember watching the Chargers game last Sunday, and a lot of people were talking about, you know, what has gone well for them, what has gone poor for them. And one thing that's been mentioned for the Chargers was that they weren't getting a lot out of their rookie wide receiver, Quentin Johnson. And then happens the Bears defense. And he has five catches, 50 yards, looked a lot better. And obviously, Olave is far advanced and a far superior player, at least right now. And I'd imagine for the rest of his career, I just think he's a better player than Quentin Johnson. So I think that this matchup really is pivotal for him but the target share is still there. And I think that what the Saints did that really stood out to me was after Olave dropped the touchdown, they went right back to him that next drive. And then later in the game, went back to him on a crucial third down conversion. I think when you do stuff like that and you win the game on top of it, which means everyone's kind of brewing positivity instead of negativity, I think that's going to help a player like Chris Olave. Now, again, matchups are the key thing because You can say all the right things. If you're facing the number one secondary, you know what? It's probably going to be tough to get open. But he's not facing the number one secondary. They're probably going to be without Jaquan Brisker. That should help a little bit more. And on top of it, I just think Olave's been on the verge of that breakout game. And let's be real. If he catches a touchdown that hit him right in the head, he goes for over 100 yards and has a touchdown in that game. And we look at that entire game differently. It really was one play that tipped the scale in that direction of us going, Man, Olave's still in that slump. Now, it's an important play. He can't be dropping a touchdown when it hits him right in the face. But I do think that Olave is primed for that bounce back game. I really do. I said last week he's going to have over, over 100. I was wrong. I won't say he's having over 100 this week. But I think he will look significantly better against the Bears than any game we've seen the last three weeks. I think we're going to get back to what we saw the first couple of weeks. And I think that'll be good news for Olave. Because let's be real, the Bears can't just focus on one wide receiver for the Saints. And that's kind of the beauty of their trio, right? Mike's getting healthy from the illness he had last week. He wasn't himself, yet he still played well. Rashid Shahid decided to go for three catches for 150-plus and a touchdown, which is just absurd. So you got to account for him. Got to account for Taysom Hill. Jawan Johnson's back in the fold. And oh yeah, that guy Alvin Kamara, he's pretty good from what I've heard. So I I think Olave will be in a spot here where he could bounce back. And I I anticipate that he does. Now. I said at the start, Sunday is going to determine the Saints season. Now, that might seem like an exaggerated statement for some of you guys, but I don't think it is. The Saints are 4-4. Four and four. The Bears, granted, they've been scrappy at times. You got to beat them. There's no excuse. And there have been three teams this year that have kind of used the Bears so far as their get-right game. The 0-3 Broncos face the Bears. They win. The one and four Vikings face the Bears, they win, and then they get to four and four. The two and four Chargers face the Bears, they blow them out on Sunday Night Football. This there, there was no better launch pad for this Saints team than this game on Sunday. 
Now, with the Saints history, that probably means watch them have a, a loss that they shouldn't have, right? Because we're accustomed to kind of that disappointment. But if we put that to the side, if we put the history to the side and focus on the now, you are versing a Bears team that has a quarterback in Tyson Bajan right now that is just doing the best that he can is, is the way I'm going to put it. I'm not going to knock the guy. He had a really nice performance against the Raiders. But when you take away the run game like the Chargers did last week, and you put it all on this kid, a Division II quarterback from a small West Virginia school, it is not the same as it was the first start against the Raiders. A lot of dump-offs to Deontay Foreman. You know, a lot of just relying on the run game. And that worked. And I think for New Orleans, you got to be able to stop the run, which is no guarantee, by the way, because the Saints have given up over 130 rushing yards per game in their last three weeks. So that concerns me a little bit. But the matchup, is a little bit easier than you versus Justin Fields. And all right, maybe we take out the pass game, but there is that element of him running and using his legs. And we know the Saints haven't been great against running quarterbacks this year, or frankly, let's be real, the last 10 years. So I think this is a really nice matchup for them, given the fact that a lot of teams have been able to use the Bears as that get-right game. But the fact that the Saints are just a better team on paper and the way that they've played. But more importantly for me, and the reason I think this game is going to determine the season for me, is. What's one of my big knocks on Dennis Allen? One of my big knocks on Dennis Allen is that he isn't able to consecutively win games. Now, I know the Saints started 2-0 this year, so technically they won back-to-back games. But what they do after they blew out the Patriots? They followed that up with two losses in a row, one to the Texans, one to the, Col- uh, one to the Jaguars. Excuse me. You have a prime opportunity here against a Bears team missing Justin Fields, possibly missing Tremaine Edmonds, and frankly just not playing that great of football right now to go out there Get yourself to five and four and put yourself in a spot where you start going, man, we might be able to host a home playoff game this year if we keep it up. But you lose this game. Why should I at any point for the rest of the season after Saints win believe that they're going to win the following game? If you can't go out there and beat a Bears team that is starting a Division II quarterback that has not looked that good offensively and has shown you if you take away the run game with this QB, Life's a little bit easier. And if Dennis Allen can confuse Tom Brady, I'd like to think that he can confuse Tyson Bajan. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and that would be the most absurd statement and fact in NFL history if you can confuse the GOAT, but you can't confuse a D2 quarterback. But I'd imagine that is the case. And I think for New Orleans, if you want us to start taking you serious, if you want us to start saying, you know what, the defense is good, now they're starting to build something offensively, look out, maybe they can do something. Show me on Sunday. Beat the Bears. Beat the Bears. And I'll be honest, if the Saints beat the Bears, I'll start talking about them in a little bit of a different light. But if they lose, let's just call it what it is, that's the team they're going to be this year. One step forward, two steps back. And I don't want that. No matter how much I might sit here and scream and yell and say, I want Dennis Allen fired or I want Pete Carmichael gone, I want the Saints to be good. I want to watch a winning football team. I want to watch a team that's in the playoffs. And the Saints have shown when things click, they can look like that team. They look like a playoff team against the Patriots. They look like a playoff team against the Colts. But I need consistency. We've we've heard a lot about continuity. Show me consistency with this Saints team. And if you can do that, and you go out there and beat the Bears, then guess what? You start to have a little bit more confidence when you face a Kirk Cousins-list Vikings team. You have a little bit more confidence when you face Taylor Heineke and the Falcons. But you got to get this one So I could start to think that you get the ones in the future against teams that the Saints should beat. Got to get this one. 
Now, how do you get this one? There's a multitude of factors for it, but one of them is stopping the run. You have not been able to do that the last three weeks. Texans ran hard all over the Saints. Travis Etienne and the Jaguars, success in the run game. The Colts, honestly, if the Colts stuck to the run a little bit more, I honestly think they would have made it a closer game than they did last Sunday because Jonathan Taylor was doing his thing and so was Zach Moss. But if you're the Saints, you got to know against a Bears team that is not a prolific passing attack. Now, DJ Moore is a really good receiver. Darnell Mooney has his moments. And I think Cole Komet is a solid tight end, a very solid tight end. Got to stop the run. Chargers showed the script. Stop the run. Get some pressure on Tyson Bajan and force him to make mistakes. Now, he had two interceptions. He easily could have had four in that game because I'm one of the, 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 the lone people that decided to sit through that game and watch it, although it wasn't very enticing. And for all the good that kid did in his first start, you saw the bad in his second start. And the Saints have an opportunistic defense this year. They've been forcing turnovers, whether it's Adebo, whether it's Lattimore, um, you know, whether it's Tyron Matthew, whether it's even Pete Warner, whoever it may be, they've been forcing turnovers. Pretty good matchup here to get it. And what I do like is usually this is the type of, type of week where Cam Jordan makes a comment that you go, why the hell do you have to say that? And he was on Colin Coward's show this weekend. He decided not to take the bait. Got offered an opportunity to kind of throw a little dig at Tyson Bajan and he didn't do it. He actually said how hard it is to play guys like that because you only have such a limited sample size of pro tape and you don't really want to go off college tape because it's a completely different game. And I respect that. I was glad Cam didn't take the bait because usually when he does, it follows with the Saints loss. But you got to stop the run. That's the first thing. And the second thing for the Saints, got to keep a balanced attack on your own side of running the football because the Bears are going to want to stop the run. That's going to be their priority. Take out Taysom Hill. Take out Alvin Kamara. But just know, if that does happen and they start to take out the run, it doesn't mean you still can't utilize your playmakers. Two routes. I love that I saw from Alvin. Option route, angle route against the Colts. Can we get those consistently in the playbook? There's no reason why Alvin can't run two to three successful option routes a game where he gets the ball, gets you 10, 15 yards per catch. It should be easy money. And I think that this is a game where I'm going to be picking the Saints, but don't get me wrong. I am a little worried about their lack of history under Dennis Allen of winning games like this that they should. Now, I'm going to pick them because they should win, and I do think that the vibe in the building is starting to get better. But that vibe's got to be backed up with wins, and I hope that's what happens this Sunday. So without further ado, let me get into any comments you guys have here on the Straight Up Saints podcast, and we'll go from there. Got a uh, comment here from Hoodie Juby says, Hey, Chris, remember that TB12, the GOAT, went 7-5 goat went through first 12 games. The Bucks took them time to jail and finally got a winning streak and won the Super Bowl. No, I look... Now, do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. But first off, thank you for the comment and support, my man. I think that, A, it's an excellent comment because it does take time for teams to gel. I'm not comparing the two teams. But last year, before the 49ers got Christian McCaffrey, they were a team that kind of struggled. And they were trying to find their way. And I remember uh, it was a loss, I believe, I think to either the Chiefs or the Falcons where they just did not look right. They were like a three and three team. We're kind of floating around and then they got it going. And look, I, I don't know if a win over the bears puts me in that category going, all right, saints are going to be cooking this year, but a win over the bears starts to put some hope and belief in that locker room. And you're sitting at five and four and you would face another team challenge that quarterback the following week. And you start looking around and going, you know what? 
we can get to that 10 and 7 and mark 10 and 7 mark and that 10 and 7 mark would get you a playoff game so i i do think it takes time to gel and stuff and that's why i'm curious to see how Derek Carr plays sunday because if Derek Carr plays well against the bears we could start to have a conversation of okay is he finally confident in P Carmichael's system and if he's playing with confidence the saints are going to be a different team now again i need consistency but it it's worth putting out there and, I, and i'm glad you did Pablo says, is it really silencing the critics if it's against the Bears? Laugh my ass off. I think it would silence a lot of the people questioning whether or not he can do it consistently. Because a lot of people reacted to the Colts game with, all right, it was a good game, but show me it again. And look, he, he could have another good game against the Bears, and they'll use that same narrative of, all right, it was a good game against the Bears, but show me it again. So in theory, no, it probably will not silence all the critics. But there might be even a, a, a small portion of Saints fans who have Derek Carr balls out this Sunday and has a good game in the Saints win where they go, you know what? We haven't had consistency like that at the quarterback position in about a year or two. And you feel a little bit better about that. And the one thing I'll say is people are going to bring up the opponents, right? Does it mean much if you beat so-and-so? Honestly, it does because if you look at the Saints schedule, they're going to face a lot of teams like this. Outside of the Lions game, I don't think the Saints are going to face a team worth a damn the rest of this season. I don't think the Vikings without Kirk Cousins are worth a damn. Now, with Kirk Cousins, they would have been worth a damn because Kirk's been balling this year. But without him, no. Falcons, no. Panthers, no. Giants, no. Bucks, no. Rams, no. I mean, Rams, you could bring up the big names. They haven't played well. They're an under 500 football team right now. So I will say for that reason, I think for me it would matter. Because they're not going to be challenged against contenders throughout the rest of the season. So you better show me you can beat those crap teams because guess what? You got a CVS receipt of those crap teams on the list for the rest of the season. James says, what's good? I need to say consistent uh, consistent play of this level and better against the good elite teams. I give credit, but we beat a lower team team in the backup quarterback. Now we have another game just like it. Totally get it. and But that's why I'm under this belief of I want to see them continue this and I, and I get it the Saints are the only win the Saints can have this year that will maybe get people to believe in them is if they're over 500 going into that Lions game and they beat the Lions maybe some people go you know what the Saints are a little bit of a frisky team this year but outside of that there's not going to be a game on the schedule that anyone's going to take a win seriously now a loss sure they'll get ripped a win probably not but for me I'm trying to say you know what you can only play who's in front of you. And sometimes when you suck like the year before, that is the only positive of it. You get that third place. You get that fourth place schedule and things open up. So you can only beat who's in front of you. And hopefully that is the Bears on Sunday. Mr. Meter says, I will not give Carr a pass until he can consistently perform at a $150 million level and perform in the red zone. I think that is totally fair uh, for sure. And, and again, I think that's going to be a lot of people who feel that way about Derek Carr. And that's okay. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think the importance is to, when he plays well, be like, I thought he played well. I need to see more. Then when he plays well, we just go, man, screw Derek Carr. Now, when he stinks, I'm going to be the first one coming up here on this mic and talking about how he played poorly. And if he plays poorly against the Bears, we are going to have a lot to talk about because that is that will be unacceptable because I've seen a lot of quarterbacks torch the Bears this year He's got to be the next one to do so. 
But I'm I'm definitely okay with people feeling like there's got to be a certain amount of games that Carr shines in or Carr plays well for him to be better. As for the red zone, I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of over that narrative in this regard. I don't care if they take him out for the red zone and put Taysom Hill in. Because Derek Carr's kind of struggled in the red zone his entire career. And if you're the Saints, you got to figure out what's the best way as a team that we succeed. So if it's taking Derek Carr out by the goal line, I'm cool with it. Because I'm for the wins. I'm not for the individual success of a player. So that's where I'm at with that regard. Matt says, let's go. We need to get on a run. The other team's schedule is about to get hard. Who that? Uh, yeah, look, teams around the league, go look at the Eagles' schedule, the Cowboys' schedule, the Niners' schedule, the Bills. You know, teams around the league. They got gauntlets of schedules. And if you're going to climb back into this and be considered a legitimate team in the NFC, now's the time for the Saints. Because if it doesn't happen now, I don't think it's going to happen. And I said it after they beat the Colts. Get to 6-4 and four by the Falcons game, and then we'll talk. If not, I, I don't know how I can believe in you. Because if you can't take advantage of the Bears with Tyson Bajan, and you can't take advantage of the Vikings with most likely Josh Dobbs off a week and a half of practice, how am I supposed to take you serious? That would be my rebuttal to that. Misdemeanor Crime says, Derek Carr was what was wrong Chris Olave. If Olave is such a diva, why none of this angst with Dalton? I don't think it's just fair to put it on Derek Carr, just like I don't think it's fair to put it on Olave. I think Olave, fair enough, is in just a slump right now mentally. Uh, you have the frustration of not being on the same page as your quarterback, and then obviously you have to do rest that following Monday, and that's just a bad stretch for him. Now, I think that we're a week removed from it. I think the fact that you leave that Colts game with a sense of optimism for the offense, I think that's great for Olave. And I, and I said it last Sunday, just because he struggled doesn't mean we have to go to extremes. There, there's, a, there's a balance to be had. We can talk about how Olave has to be better without going rash, without saying he's got to be benched, without saying he's got to be traded, this and that. Because I know people like to have overreactions because that's just part of the nature of being a human, and I do it more than enough times. But for Olave, I think it is a 50-50 share of Derek had to be better, Chris had to be better, and they got to be better together. And I and I hope that they figured that out, and he claims they've talked it over, and they did. But I want to see it in the game. Because you could say all the right things, but if we see on Sunday that connection, the timing's off, the throw's off, the route's off, that that's frustrating because it's week nine. You know, if it doesn't happen in week nine, when is it going to happen? When those miscommunications happen in week four, you go, all right, it's the first month of the, month of the season. But I want to see what happens. But I, I think it's equal blame to go around. But I think the good thing is both of them have kind of taken it upon them to say, hey, it's on both of us. We'll figure it out. Next comment here, uh, krose88 says, these next two games need to be solid wins, similar to the performances against New England. There's no reason the Bears or Vikings should even be competitive. I think the Vikings one could be competitive. Because I think they're doing a really good job coaching the team. If Jefferson comes back, Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, that's a really, really nice group of weapons that could pose problems for the Saints defense. And I think with Josh Dobbs, you at least have a respectable quarterback there. Now, if it's Jaron Hall, not sure. And maybe it will be Jaron Hall. Maybe he lights up the Falcons this Sunday, God willing. And then you play him that following weekend. But we'll see. As for the Bears game, yeah, I look, I will say a win is a win, and I take a win any way they come. But I'd like to see the Saints be in control of this game from start to finish. And anything other than that would be a little disappointing because this is a Bears team that is gettable. It, it is. You, you got to win this game. Justin to get me cash says, off topic, but Rashid Shaheed is who we thought Deontay Hardy was going to be. That, you know, I'm okay with that being off topic because that's a fantastic, fantastic uh, comment, honestly, because I feel that way. 
Because when Deontay started shining a little bit, you're like, all right, what if we play him at receiver? If he plays at receiver, can he ball out too? And you never really got that. Part of it injuries, part of it frame. Part of it is he just doesn't make those big splash plays because he doesn't have the frame that a guy like Rashid does. And Rashid fights for that ball. Uh, so I love that. No, Rashid's been awesome. James says, it seems our realistic goal was to try and win the division rather than us looking at the whole of our goal being the Super Bowl. Because honestly, uh, I see us maybe getting our division, then playoffs one and done. Yes, look, I think that's where a lot of people are at right now, Saints being one and done in the playoffs. But you got to get there to have any shot at it. And I think for the Saints, there's so much talent on this team that I guess the goal is get into the dance and hope that the defense plays well and the offensive playmakers do just enough. And I don't know if that's going to work. And honestly, if I had to bet money on it, I'd probably bet money on the Saints probably being that one and, one and done type playoff team. But you know what? Let's see how Sunday goes. Let's see if they can put together some consistency. And if they can, in three weeks from now, they'll play the Lions and we'll have a pretty good idea of what they can do against a respectable opponent. But until then, we don't know. And speaking of betting and whether or not I feel good about them being one and done, let me get a quick word in from one of our sponsors and then we'll get back to the comments from you guys. So let's hear from DraftKings Sportsbook. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball's back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code BOOT. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code BOOT. The crown is yours. Once again, thank you to DraftKings Sportsbook uh, for being part of the program. And to get into more comments that you guys have here, I'm going to go with All World Trucker saying, Chris, the Falcons are trying to rebuild their team into our, our image. What a bunch of copycats. Yep, it's it, it seems that way. But look, Falcons are in an interesting spot. They got a lot of nice playmakers. The defense has been respectable, but... This is where the Derek Carr thing has to work out for the Saints. Because if the Saints have one thing over the Falcons, glaringly, it should be quarterback. It hasn't been so far, because Derek has not been the upgrade the Saints thought he was going to be. But there are still nine games left, and hopefully last Sunday was the start of him starting to get into a groove. And if not, then yeah, hopefully that contract just ends up disappearing after this year. But we'll see. Keeping it real, Houdat Sports Pocket says, I'm with you. Sunday is the most important game of the season, and not just because it's the next one, but the Saints have little momentum as far as the offense must continue trending up. Yeah, look, for the first time in a long time, I actually felt like I had fun watching the Saints offense last Sunday against the Colts, moving the ball with success, constantly getting the red zone, having success in the red zone, mixing it up with the run and the pass. It felt different from every other game this year, and it would really stink. They go into that Bears game, and they go right in reverse, and just kind of nuke all the progress that they made against the Colts. It would really upset me. So hopefully they don't. K-Rose88 says they can't struggle through this game against the Bears. Have to beat the piss out of the teams they're supposed to beat. I agree. Look, if they're up 7 to 10 points the entire game and win by a touchdown, I would take that. For me, that would be a confidence builder. To have complete control over the team for the entire game. I don't need a 30-point victory, but Lord knows I'd take it. I want to see them play a dominant style of football and control this game, because they should. There's no reason not to. As Dana said, no excuses. This Sunday is must win. Keeping it real, Houdat Sports Podcast says, defense must pick up their play, cannot come out yet again with a slow start, and allow the Bears to establish their running game. Defense has become inconsistent. It has a little bit. They weren't great 
against the Colts, no doubt about it. You know, but we'll see what happens. I think that the Colts have done a really good job of having success against whoever they play. I mentioned before the Saints game, the Colts put up, I believe, 38 against the Browns, and the Browns have a really, really good defense. But it didn't matter because the Colts, whether it's the run game, whether it's mixing it up with the run in the pass and getting success out of Minshew in Steichen system, they found it. So I want to see if the Saints can get back to playing a winning caliber style of defense against a Bears offense that's not nearly as dynamic as the Colts offense. But we'll see. If they struggle again, we got to start talking about this defense. I'll give you that. But I think this could be a nice get-right game for them. Keeping it real, Who Dad Sports Podcast adds, Bears skills position groups are not bad. More Mooney can trust the field. Foreman is a good young, young running back. Yeah, it's not bad. And like I said, Cole, uh, Cole Clement, very solid tight end. I just think that this is an easier group to go against than, let's say, what the Colts had last week with JT and Zach Moss, and obviously Pittman being a really good receiver. But DJ Moore can set the tone. And that's a game where Marshawn's got to come in and establish it. If Marshawn comes in and neutralizes DJ Moore, it for me, I don't I don't know how the Bears really win this game unless the run game explodes. And that is possible. But I think you got to kind of look at what the Chargers did, take away the run, put a lot of it on Tyson Bajan, and see how he responds to it. Misdemeanor says Carr struggles would be more palatable if you were willing to be tutored by those with tenure in his offense. Instead of, uh, yeah, look, I, I think for me, I, I agree with that. I, I'm hoping last weekend was a sign of things to come. And if it's not, then Sunday, if there's a blow up on the sidelines, some type of altercation, then you feel, all right, I got closure. It's not going to change. That That is who they are. And I hope that's not the case, but we'll see what happens. Justin to get me cash says, do you believe the Raiders will cut Hunter Renfro and the Saints can pick him up? I don't think so, but we'll see. I, I'd imagine now that the Raiders have cleaned house, there's going to be an emphasis on getting the playmakers the ball, whether it's Devontae Adams, whether it's Josh Jacobs, whether it's Hunter Renfro, whether it's Jacoby Myers, whether it's Michael Mayer. They, they got weapons. They got a lot of weapons in that system. And now that Josh McDaniels is out, now that uh, their GM Dave Ziegler's out, we'll see. And you know what? I'd imagine the Raiders cleaning house had to do with the Saints not being able to finish off that trade for Hunter Renfro before the deadline because it got reported by Jeremy Fowler that they were working on it. They just couldn't complete it. And I'm sure it's hard for a GM to complete a trade when he's about to get fired two hours later. So, look, I, I don't think losing out on Renfro is a big deal for the Saints as long as they're healthy at wide receiver. And I don't know if the Raiders would cut him. And I'd imagine the Raiders want to see how they look now with this interim staff in before they make any conclusions there. But I would be shocked if Hunter Renfro was on the Raiders next season. That's for sure. A win over the Bears isn't a statement for the league. It's more for the fan base believing in Carr. I agree. I think that's a fair assessment. The Bears are 2-2 two two in their last four. And remember, if not for a collapse against the Broncos, they would be 3-1. Chargers game was the only one they were not competitive. Uh, yeah, look, that's why I'm not saying I need a blowout win. Because I don't know if that's really sustainable uh, for this Saints team. But if you can go out there and win 27-20, or, you know, 24 to 14, 24, 17. I, I would take it. That, that's the type of win that I would sign for up for. Now I'd sign up for any win, but that would be the one that I'd prefer. Vincent says, Saints would have to win out to be taken seriously. I agree. I think, you know what the Saints would have to do? The Saints would have to win their next four games. Beat the Bears, beat the Vikings, beat the Falcons, beat the Lions. They do that, and they're eight and four with their last win being off of the Lions. I think people would take them serious. I don't expect them to do that, though. Let me make that very clear. Hootie Juby says, Chris, what are your thoughts on Jalen Smith being signed by the Raiders and us bringing in Corey Littleton? Uh, yeah, look, I, I think 
Obviously, it stinks that Jalen Smith didn't get his shot, but that's probably a good thing. You want Demario and Pete to be on the field and be healthy. You never wanted to get to that point where Jalen has to play uh, significant snaps. Uh, as for Corey Littleton, look, I think this is kind of a similar type player in terms of where his career's at as a guy like Jalen Smith, right? Because Littleton, when he was playing with the Rams, probably I'd say the 2019 season is kind of where he's at the height of his powers in terms of being a playmaker uh, and being a, a, just a dynamic tackler. And ever since, nothing really didn't play that well with the Raiders. I think it was at the Panthers last year. Didn't have all that much success. So I think you're kind of doing the same thing with Jalen. You're bringing in a guy who's had experience and had success. And worse comes to worse, you have a smart veteran that you could plug in. But you don't want it to get to that point. So that's the way I view it. But we'll see. James says Taysom is, is successful because of his mobility. Even though he's not a good pocket passer, but his threat gives our team success. Imagine what a good mobile quarterback with our weapons would do. What do you think? I mean, I, it's hard to disagree with that. The league has kind of gone to quarterbacks needing mobility. Even quarterbacks who aren't thought of as runners have mobility. I mean, Joe Burrow is at his best when he's kind of out of the pocket, out of structure, making plays. So I agree. You need a little bit of mobility. You don't need to be, you know, an elite runner. Like I think Lamar Jackson, as good of a quarterback he is, is also an elite runner. You don't need to have that. Now, it's great too. God, I'd love to see Lamar on the Saints. but. You need to have mobility. That, that's definitely at the forefront. Isaiah says, Chris Olave literally had a ball hit him in his in his head that should have been a touchdown down the field, yet blame is on Carr. No, look, the blame I have for Carr is more so if you're going to talk about the way you behave on the field. But I agree. That's why I said it comes down to both players. Carr has to be a little bit better of a leader, and I think they've learned from that. And as for Olave, he's got to run his routes a little bit more efficient. And I think he did that against the Colts, actually. I brought up when Shahid had the touchdown on that deep post. Olave's kind of running that out route, and it bites that extra defender down, opens up the one-on-one -on -one matchup for Shahid. So I think both will turn it around, and hopefully Sunday's the start of that. Pablo says, do you think the Saints upgrade their D-line during the draft next year, especially with the struggles as of late to pressure QBs and getting sacks? I'd hope so. I think they could use another pass rusher opposite of Carl Granderson. You can never have enough pass rushers in this league. I mean, think about what the Niners did, right? Earlier this year, they trade for Randy Gregory. Still not getting enough out of the pass rush. What do they do? Go trade for Chase Young. I'm not saying you got to go make all these trades. What I'm saying is league teams around the league, they know you can never have enough pass rushers. So I, I think for the Saints, yes, that is a position of need, no doubt about it. Carl Dunn says, QB power, run the play often until they stop it. You know, You guys know how I feel about QB power. Keeping it real, who that sports cause, uh, podcast says Tyson Bajan completion percentage has been okay in his starts, yet he has made rookie mistakes with turnovers. He's very athletic, not stiff in the pocket. He was a Division II uh, Hill Award winner. Look, he, he's got mobility. And that was one of the things Cam Jordan brought up during his interview with, with Cowher. Talked about him being able to kind of move outside of the pocket and move out of structure, which a lot of these young quarterbacks do. But when you moved him off his spot, that's when you kind of saw the mistakes against the Chargers. Now, that could have been a one-off. Who knows? This kid might go light up the Saints, quiet the Dome on Sunday, and obviously that would stink for all of us. But your best chance, obviously, is taking away that run game. The run game was very successful against the Raiders. You want to be able to go out there and put it on the young quarterback and see if he responds. And if he responds, kudos to him. But if not, perfect. The game plan worked. Sergeant King says, Carl will not, will not shock nobody but dreamers. Fair enough. Justin, get me cash. Says, wish the Saints made a trade for an extra pass rusher like a Danico Autry from the Titans for maybe like a fifth round pick. I know people talked about them being in on Uche uh, of the Patriots, just couldn't get a deal done. That would have been a nice pickup. 
But I'm okay with the Saints not moving any assets. Because look, if the Saints lose to the Bears, we're right back into the conversation of, okay, blow this thing up. Because that's the reality of the NFL. It's kind of week to week, especially with a team like the Saints that is super inconsistent. So I'm okay with them not moving assets because who knows, if they blow things up, the next uh, regime will need those assets. Dana says, Olave will be fine. He's just going through a slump like every other player in the league. Goes through at some point. Jamar Chase going through it. Jamar Chase only has four touchdowns. Crazy thing is, all of Jamar's touchdowns are pretty much in one game. But Jamar's balling, man. He's still balling since that Cardinals game. He's been playing a lot better. Uh, looked pretty good against the Niners, too. But yeah, it's it's the, the, the ebbs and flow of the NFL season. And Olave started off hot. Now he's starting to slip a little bit. We'll see if he get if they get back to it. It would not surprise me if they lose to the Bears. I mean, the pattern is lose two, win one, lose two. Yep, that's that's for sure. No, no doubt about it. 504 Co says, uh, we have to dominate the Bears. 48 to 3 is my prediction. First off, I love the optimism, but I 48 to 3 is that's pretty tough for me to say. Ludi Juby says, with how balanced all three wide receivers are close to or have 500 yards already, it's making me believe that our big three could all have 1,000-yard seasons. We'll see. We'll see. I, I think, for me, there's like too much, and I'm not blaming Shahid because I think Shahid is so good. When his number's called, he delivers. But there's that inconsistency of it might be a 100-plus game and then maybe a 50-yard game, and we'll see. Maybe it evens out. Still waiting for that huge game for Michael Thomas, and obviously Olave's got to get back on track. But I, I love what we're seeing from the uh, receiving core. I love to see us use our first or second pick on a QB, regardless of if Carr eventually figures it out, we've gone too long not having successor of some sort at the QB position when ours is old. Yeah, I think that's fair. Look, I think the best thing NFL teams can do is go out there and address the position of need and make sure they always have that successor and long-term plan you know, locked up, especially at that position. You always want to plan ahead. If you don't have Mahomes, if you don't have Joe Burrow, if you don't have Josh Allen, you probably should be in the quarterback business, you know? Too many positions where we drag it out too long without bringing in young and new talent, and we're stuck in purgatory there. Examples, staff, wide receiver before last year, D-line, and running back. Fair enough. Speaking of pass rush, we going to have a uh, convo about Cam? I mean, I said it less, a couple of weeks ago. We can have it. I mean, that extension is going to be brutal for this team. If, the, if this, what he's doing right now is a sign of what he'll be, then yeah, they, they paid him for what he was and not what he is, and that stinks. And the bigger problem for me right now is Cam is not looking like the elite run stuffer that I'm used to seeing. Because at least if he was doing that, it kind of helps. But the Saints are getting ran at, and his side of the ball is getting run out too. A lot of big runs are happening to the right side where he's at most of the time. So Cam's got to respond. And you guys know I think the world of Cam, I think he should be a Hall of Famer. But right now, he's been a weak link for the Saints defense. And Carl Granderson's been, without a doubt, their best defensive lineman. So hopefully he turns around, but I'm starting to think the Saints paid him for what he was, not what he will be, because what he will be is not worth the money that he's about to get. So that's where I'm at on that. I know this seems like a negative spot to kind of leave off up, but that's where I'm going to wrap it up for this one. Again, Saints play the Bears this Sunday. If they want us to start believing, got to start stringing together. Back-to-back wins is a really good spot for them facing a Bears team that is gettable. Not exactly a guaranteed win. There are no guaranteed wins, especially for a team like the Saints. But this is a good spot for them, and we'll see if they come out. Now, as always, guys, I'll have a post-game recap right after it's over, about 5-10 minutes after the final whistle, and we'll talk about it. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a Saints win, but nonetheless, we'll be here to cover it on the Straight Up Saints podcast. The destination for the Houdat Nation. Have a great Thursday and a great upcoming weekend, everyone.